Welcome to the Language for Leading podcast with the founder and CEO of the Business of Leading Incorporated, Julian Sturton. Since the early 1990s, Julian has equipped leaders from across the globe with an operating system and real-world set of tools that have improved relationships on all levels, and the work has meant real success in business and life for so many. Hello, I'm Jordan Rich, and today we're with another important thought leader. His name is Jay Posenell. He's a lawyer practicing international law, having recently retired as director of the General Legal Division of the United Nations Office of Legal Affairs, where he worked for more than 30 years. The views expressed in this interview are his own and do not necessarily reflect the views of the United Nations, its Office of Legal Affairs, its officials, or its member states. Jay's lifelong hero was the late Benjamin Ferenz, who passed away recently at the age of 103, a dedicated attorney and prosecutor at the Nuremberg War Tribunal whose life's work for the promotion of international law, of peace, and of the rule of law can be summed up by the sign outside his office. That sign read, Law, Not War. And Jay's here to speak with us about rule of law. Julian? The point is, in this conversation, or any conversation, is that um, we're all talking to ourselves all human beings. So whether it be the discussion around the rule of law or or any particular topic, it seems to be a wake-up call. Our way of being is making us aware of our awareness. So, Jay, what have you had on your mind ever since someone had suggested the term the rule of law or maybe the first time you ever heard the rule of law? Well, from the first time, uh, that that goes way back. My, yes. you know, I probably started thinking about it in college when I was reading uh, Weber about uh, uh, the philosophy behind the rule of law and the fact that uh, we peoples, uh, in order to um, coexist, have to agree and agree on how we behave and how we interact um, and how we coexist, if you will. Um, and how we be, to use your uh, favorite term. Um, And that takes a lot of agreement. Uh, And that's what law is about, is agreement among human beings about how they interact and behave with respect to one another, Um, how they make promises and keep them, how they uh, exchange property, how they uh, exchange... um, goods and services and their own labors um and so on and um uh and what to do if somebody breaches the social order the agreed manner of behaving uh and what is the what is the 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 role for that now you know there are ways of interacting uh there's of course brute force uh and for uh, some uh i would think of a, a particular ruler of a large country that spans Europe and Asia, uh, right now, the rule of law means nothing. It's about trying to impose brute force. That doesn't seem to be working as well as he had hoped, I suppose. But I remember when this all broke out, 101-year-old Benjamin Ferenz posted uh, a little thing on, uh, I don't know if it was Instagram, one of the places, a, a picture of himself standing outside his office next to a sign he has that says law, not war. And Benjamin Ferenz, for those who don't know, was one of the American prosecutors, a young lieutenant or captain uh, in uh, at Nuremberg, 
and prosecuted war crime was one of the first war crimes prosecutors and is still at an age 101 or 102 going strong and still right. still optimistic that law not war that law that the agreed manner of behaving rather than brute force is uh, where humanity is going so it gives me hope and i um, i strive every day to promote the rule of law yeah could could either one either laws exist without rules or could and could rules exist without laws That's well laws and rules are sorry to interrupt but laws and rules are two sides of the of the egg or two sides of the pancake um you know law is in most systems the laws are determined by legislative bodies and the rules are made up by either the judicial or the administrative bodies to implement those laws but i mean it's all about agreed manners of behaving comporting and so forth the rule is is you know enforcing the law and the rule is whether we do that through brute force or whether we do it through appropriate means of lawful means of enforcing the rules the laws that we agree upon and that's the that's the key is agreement and agreement means interactions between human beings that put aside your own fears your own needs and think about the larger needs of the community and so you know that's that to me is what the rule of law is about interaction but yeah it's a very very big and vital uh, term to be thinking whether you're living in India, whether you're living in London, whether you're living in New York, San Francisco, Moscow, or Australia, or whether you're an Inuit Indian living in a remote part of Greenland. Mm. As you brought up one of my favorite words, because this is uh, important for those listening around the world, especially regarding people's concerns and fears in regards to what on earth is going on. And we're being told by being given a lot of information through the typical media, aren't we, about the, the, the frightening situations of which people through this podcasting are likely to possibly now begin to think about how they can actually respond by listening to this podcast and one of the, the key parts for which we're having this conversation now is uh, as to do with the rules of law, whether you're living in any part of the world, whether you've got to bring up a family, whether you've got to start a new business, or you're receiving a loan from a bank manager, or you're being promoted in a corporation, no matter where you're living, whether you're now leaving a college and you've now got to figure out, well, what will I say to my new employers when they understand that, yes, I've got some uh, credentials and I agreed that the passing of my examinations when I was at university gave me an agreeable condition in which I was now, by giving me those credentials, it was going to be agreeable based upon the educational system to be able to get a job so we're wrapping a lot of things up around what people will who listen to this podcast 
may have had serious concerns about what's going on around the world, but didn't know what to do about it. So this term responding, if one's rather than responding based upon how one responds to what's going on around the world, I think the rules of law are very much a vital way for people to understand how to respond to the dangerous conditions and frightening situations in their country. Whether you're a young lady who's now been uh, uh, forced in and out of education in, in uh, Afghanistan, or whether you've been forced in and out of education in Iran, or whether you're being told what to do by, like you said, uh, rules are either an enforcement based upon some frightening, threatening condition, or will rules be some condition whereby you will abide by those laws because you are living in a peaceful country? So I think this conversation is a very, very important one. I think it's fine. I'm so glad you brought it up, Jay. Well, and I think the key here when I say when I talk about rule of law is people, um, you know, you see this in, in current politics. You see this around the world that people do not trust that everyone is ruled by law, that, that there are those who are privileged that are above the law, that there are those who flout the law that because they have privileged money or power of other sorts. And I think the key for people to respect the agreed social order that is law, that is, um, uh, uh, is that, you know, everyone is subject to it. Everyone is uh, uh, subject to law. There's a fundamental law we all agree upon, and everyone is subject to it. And, and no one is above the law. And I think, you know, you see the situation with um, election denials, or you see the situation with a train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, that recently occurred. And people don't trust that big corporations are subject to law. They can make the law. They can rewrite the law and subject, um, uh, you know, for profit purposes, um, safety uh, to, to relegate safety and, and concern for other human beings to the ash can. So I think that, you know, the, 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 for people to really uh, uh, appreciate and get beyond their fears, they have to appreciate that the agreed ways we behave and interact apply to everyone, that there isn't some deep state that people fear. There isn't some, you know, Kabul that controls everything. There isn't some race of people that have all the money. There isn't some, you know, that we're all subject to the same rules. And that, quite frankly, is... We're not there as a human race, but I think the, the key is to try to strive to do that. And that's why I promote the idea of the rule of law. I just wanted to jump in. First of all, thank you, Jay. It's great to meet you and have you join us on this journey together. Um, I wrote down the moral code that has been undeniable. There are certain things that are undeniable. Murder for the sake of killing is wrong. It, has there been a threat to the basics? And I'm not going to mention Ten Commandments for any religious reason, but you know, we all know it's not right to steal. We all know it's not right to kill. And it's it's not right to cheat on your wife, quite frankly. But uh, has there been uh, an erosion of that in the, the culture that we're, we find ourselves in today? Well, I mean, Julian raised the question of media before. And I think media feeds a, 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 a dynamic for, you know, for profit purposes, for clicks, for, you know, for, for whatever, 
of creating fear. And I, so I think there is a fear of, of, you know, want, and there's, there's theories about, you know, Antifa or this group or that group taking over and doing horrible things. And, and there's plenty of bad things out there. There's plenty of people that, you know, that do things that quite frankly, breach all those commandments. But I think that humanity has, you know, if you go to every culture, I don't think there's any culture that says murder is okay. I don't think there's any culture that says lying and cheating your neighbor is okay, whether it's, you know, with with your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's goods or property, right? I don't, I think there are fundamental, as you say, moral codes. And that is the basis of the agreed proposition by which we social creatures, human beings interact and and coexist. So I, I, I have a lot of hope for that. I think there are fundamental moral codes, whether they be religious or secular or otherwise, that we can all agree upon and start as a base. And, you know, there's, there's different interpretations of murder, where, you know, <laughs> we, the whole abortion debate is all about whether that's murder or not. Um, but, but I think that there's, there's plenty of fundamental agreement to start from. And I think the rest is about how we engage with one another to further the agreement in a way that says we're all going to be treated by the same rule book and make that believable. The whole world is looking at and hearing concerns and considerations through, uh, especially where we take the word media, sometimes for granted. And one one is hearing in the Western world, in this country, the term media. We're supposed to trust media but in the last few days there's a big big question mark hanging over certain channels of media that have got a lot of questioning as to how media is supposed to behave well that's always been the case julian i mean media is a two-edged sword you know media exposes lies and you know, there's there's the muckrakers that changed uh, American politics in the turn of the last century. You know, there's 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 um, there's there's a lot to be said for mass uh, filtration of truths. There's a lot to be said for mass filtration of lies as well. And I think it's a two-edged sword. So yes, media media can do a lot of good, and media can do a lot of evil. That like anything that human beings do, you know, tools can be used for good or bad. A knife can cut bread. It can also kill your fellow human being, you know, so. It can spread butter and it can be used in so many different ways. And uh, I was concerned about the news being spoken now in this country in direct response to one of the news stations, uh, Fox Media, Mm. when, of course, the eyes were on this country and are probably on this country, especially as we come up with certain statements, one of which is the, is the statement rules of law. When we look at what was going on in Washington, D.C. on January the 6th, and there were so many questions, which bring me to a, another set of terms, which is, are we, are we basing our civility on the success of of successful arguments, or is it because we use the word negotiation? Someone a similar terminology. I don't have. I'm not a father because my family name is being threatened, or do I build a family based upon 
we we have a negotiation when there's anything going on that's difficult. And I think the listeners, especially family members around the world, will be interested to notice that what is a trial and tribulation when there's troubles at home? Is there an important point to make about arguing with one another in the family uh, circle? Or is it based upon coming to terms of the commonalities that make a family successful, such that when there is trouble in the family, um, is it a point of making sure you're negotiating with family members rather than arguing? And is the rule based on how we actually behave like a family such that, yes, there are laws so that the family members can conduct themselves based upon the acceptance of what makes a loving family. Because I'm putting that the rules of law in a multitude of, of perspectives, you see, because I think it's such a rich, a rich set of words that the people listening to this podcast may now see how their families are relating to one another. And are they arguing with each other as opposed to negotiating? I had to have this distinction with my son. I remember I've shared this story maybe with you before. I picked him up at the airport one day and I realized that how he and I get on is because we've stopped arguing with each other. If there's anything of any value based upon my relationship with my son or my son's relationship with me, is there any point in arguing? And if I'm arguing and my son isn't listening, right, what is the point of Julian, his father, arguing? Because then I'm going to be arguing with myself and therefore my son is not going to be able to listen. And I think the ruling factor when it comes to laws has got a lot to do with how we listen to the rules of process. Because rules are establishing, are they not, how we're going to proceed. We can have as many laws as we like, as you brought up, Jay. We can have as many laws as we like. I suppose there's probably hundreds of thousands of laws passed through Congress. But if we don't know how to listen to each other, right, we're going to exemplify what goes on in Congress. This is if we've got a system of governance where they can't agree. They've been elected by uh, some form of civility, which is called United States of America's population. So we've got the House of Represent Representatives, and are they actually listening to the population or are the House of Representatives listening to themselves? It all seems a little bit odd and very much out of an agreement with some kind of original form that the Greeks came up with is a form of democracy. And I think democracy is really being tested right now. And whether or not laws are functions of agreement, and will those functions of agreement uh, allow us to still be a civility, civil form of society? And rules and law, like you brilliantly pointed out, Jay, go hand in hand. And I think it's on the table. I, I just drove back from a long journey because I like I, I don't like flying. I like driving. And it's got a lot to do with, am I in control of the aeroplane? 
No, I'm not. So I'm my choice, and it was a choice. And is the rule of law based upon our ability to choose that for which represents us as a people? I chose to drive back to Florida. Was it a smooth ride as far as the vehicle? Yes. But were people breaking the law? There were people driving over 110 miles an hour on 95. And I thought, are you going to get enraged, Julian, just because somebody's cutting you off? Or are you going to actually administer for your sake of being safe? Am I going to follow my own? How's Julian go to drive a vehicle safely on I-95? So the rules of law are there right in front of us. And I think it's a very, very exotic um, topic, I think. And it's got a lot to do with, with uh, all kinds of examples. And the, the, we, we've got ourselves very, very much attached to, have we not, to our concerns, especially the people listening to this podcast who've got a lot of serious concerns. Like human beings, we're not robots. We've got a lot of attachments to our concerns. And can people's ability by responding now, not just thinking that this is a blame game that's going on around the world, and is it an important distinction to be making that we're no longer going to have to just act and react? Are we now able to feel safe that we can respond based on what we're going to do about our local situation, whether we live in South Africa, whether we live in Australia, whether we live in uh, Park Avenue in New York or wherever is our particular circumstance. So I think we're kind of enriching through the discussion regarding rules of law, how we can respond. And I think how has got a lot to do with how we administer laws. And I think it's, it's, it's a great subject. Well, one of the things you just mentioned was uh, representative government and people's feeling that their concerns are being heard. And the whole idea of representative government was that, you know, you would have somebody who would represent your concerns in a forum where everybody's concerns get to be aired. And the idea then is, how do we address concerns in a representative fashion through a majority approach, right? That was the whole idea of the Constitution. So we have a majority, you know, part of the legislature. We have another that is not majority ruled. It's every state gets two, right? It was about states and their sovereignty. And then there is the federal government and bringing it together and, and uh, ruling over the states where they needed to have a coexistence rules, in, for example, in commerce, right? So so we have this fundamental process called the Constitution and the constitutional form of government. And the whole idea was that people's concerns would somehow be able to be aired in that process. But now you hear talk of, you know, we need a divorce. There are some lawmakers talking about a national divorce, which is quite frankly impossible because you can't, there's no red and blue states. There are blue areas in red states and red areas in blue states, you know, I mean, it's crazy. So there's never going to be a, a, a way of divorcing. There's got to be a better way of, of, of those who are in 
elected government and those who rely on their elected officials to feel that their concerns are being taken seriously and yet are being handled in a process that is fair and equal treatment for all of who have concerns. The problem, of course, is media and those elected officials try to exacerbate the fact that concerns aren't being heard. Oh, you know, the other side is out to get us. They'd be better off dead, so forth and so on. So we do have a problem um, uh, in, in process right now. Uh, I don't think we have a problem in substance. There's a lot of good laws out there, but like you say, they're not always being enforced. The tax code isn't being enforced to the detriment of the budget, which means that now everybody's calling for, you know, ways to to rein in the debt. Well, collect more taxes, and you don't have as much debt, right? Um, so, so there's um, there's there's a lot of issues with process, uh, and the substance of the law may not be the problem. Um, but this, you know, this is a pendulum; it swings back and forth. Um, but I think that 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 those listeners who have concerns and feel they aren't being met have to think about is the process right now, you call it the, the democracy being in danger, is is it, you know, is is the fundamental process in danger or is the way we've approached it and the way we are exacerbating our concerns as opposed to our agreements, the, the, uh, the problem. And so I think that's that's something that, um, you know, maybe it takes a good personality to get out there and change the political dynamic. Uh, I don't have an answer for that, but clearly the dynamic has to change in order for our government and our institutions to function process-wise in a way that is more agreeable and productive and constructive as opposed to uh, destructive and uh, divisive as it is now. I'll just jump in here with a with a request, Jay, to have you share with us a little bit of your adventures and experiences at the UN, the United Nations. And that's a laboratory for the challenges to the rule of law. Our laws and our sense of morality might differ from, say, somebody in the Middle East or Asia who has a different take on, let's say, a homosexual population. Sure. Uh, what, what, in that maelstrom of different views and different languages, what takeaways did you gain uh, about the rule of law and whether it's, it's a healthy uh, exchange of ideas there? Well, um, you raised the question of, uh, of uh, gay rights, and the um, UN, for its own employees, wanted to uh, enable same-sex couples to gain all the benefits that married couples would gain as employee employment benefits. This became a real hot point because, as you say, not all countries, not all legal systems agree that um, homosexuality is even legal. Some have have passed laws punishable, you know, it's, it's an offense punishable by death. Uh, in other areas, it's a legal right. Um, so so it wasn't easy. Um, but but again, a de democratic um, forum, the General Assembly, um, you know, had a debate about it. And most countries then signed on to a uh, to a rule that allowed same sex couples to benefit from this. So, so, um, and the, and that was respected, uh, even though there are countries uh, represented in that body that do not believe that that um, that same sex couples should have those rights. I think it was respected as the process um, uh, for for uh, for those rights being instilled in the uh, UN playbook, as it were. So, so um, it, the the bigger picture is. Um, 
uh, for me, and I've said this, I said this when I retired from the UN, you know, um, right now the UN looks pretty toothless when you have one of its permanent members who has a veto power preventing its fundamental mission, which is to stop and prevent wars of aggression, right? Uh, but it is still the only forum where everybody can come to the table in the world and talk about these things and air these things and show, you know, what is going on um, uh, uh, and put a spotlight on inhumanities or or areas where uh, the, the, the idea of the rule of law is being flouted. Um, and if, you know, if, if anything, that that is the seed of future progress. Right. So to me, the idea is, yes, it's it's not it's not uh, at a point in its institutional history or we as a human race, whether it's the United Nations or some other you know, forum for for international agreement on the rule of law. Um, we haven't gotten there yet, but um, but it, it right now it's the only place where everybody has a seat at the table, and that's important that everybody gets a chance to be heard. Yeah, you were mentioning a lot of things, not just then, but a moment ago, which is a lot to do with uh, the word authority, and therefore how can the world itself respond? to their own interpretation of authority in their own particular backyard without such a challenge to authority ending up in the realms of violence. Because we're seeing that people, especially I'm sure there will be people who will be listening to this podcast, who will be very concerned that their particular community, whether it be a country or a small local community, is in a helpless situation. And how do we actually gain control of our own particular interests as a community, be that community of your family or be it the governance of a country, just as we're experiencing now in regard to the situation going on between Ukraine and Russia. So I think one of the elements that is very rich around this this topic, this very important table topic we have now about the rules of law has got to do with how one administers laws if one's living in a very frightening situation. Of course, a lot of those fears have got to do with the substance of which uh, uh, the language for leading is, is aiming towards, which is the matters involving climate, food and waste. And are there sufficient laws that are made available so we can stop having to take sides, as we've been doing, around these three hot topics, climate, food, and waste? Are there agreements that are being spread around the world that will provide a sufficient understanding of how we respond to the climate issues? And will the climate issues, based upon how each person, whether the person is in government or whether they're simply trying to bring up a family on the shores of their particular country, will they be able to provide substance and sustenance regarding food if there isn't sufficient agreeable laws that are recognizing how the climate seems to be uh, making its own rules? 
And then we've got the third matter, which is the term waste. So I think the terms rules of law aren't just about uh, providing governance, but how we're going to apply the ruling of the how do we administer laws when we've got climate, food and waste confronting us right now. Well, as you know, there's a, uh, a framework convention on climate change that has a, a conference of state parties meet, meetings once a year. There's the famous Paris Agreement. There's been updates to that. Um, uh, and there's been progress made in terms of international agreement on what to do about climate change. The question is, how do you enforce it? And that's that's precisely been the issue. Uh, there's two issues. One is enforcement of the goals uh, that would lead to a um, management of what is an inevitable change in our climate. And the second is how do you deal with the inequities of those countries that have benefited and developed as a result of the use of fossil fuels um, and their effects now on other countries, uh, principally Pacific Islands, for example, uh, and other countries that are in the process of trying to develop their economies and their social uh, uh, socioeconomic situations. Um, you know, what's the equity for them? Uh, what what should those countries that have benefited from the use of fossil fuels pay or do to support those other countries? These are all big questions that are being addressed in these fora. But um, and some say it's not being done fast enough. This the secretary general of the U.N. is um, sounding the alarm pretty regularly about uh, about the uh, problems of uh, of uh, not meeting goals that are going to be required, not understanding the science, not believing in the science that is well established with respect to climate change. Food, there's tons of agreements, again, on on food and how we handle food. We've even, in the context of the Ukraine situation, managed to find some way of agreeing on exporting uh, foodstuffs to needed, um, you know, to get it out of Ukraine, for example, wheat and and. Uh, and um, uh, basic uh, foodstuffs to uh, the rest of the world so that we don't have uh, you know, a humanitarian crisis of epic proportion. Um, uh, but is that enough? And what do we need to do to ensure food supply with a growing world population? Um, there are estimates that by 2050, we're gonna be at 10 billion people. And uh, you know, uh, are we going to have a Malthusian situation where we just let uh, poor people die, and uh, that's the way we control population growth and development, or are we going to have a more humane approach? So all of these are important, and of course, waste is um, is uh, what do we do about waste, and uh, you know, how do we manage with the proliferation of people? There's proliferation of waste, as you say. What do we do about the plastics and the ocean? Uh, uh, pollution and uh, what would you do about depletion of foodstuffs in the ocean? The UN just passed um, uh, a treaty, just agreed on uh, the terms of a treaty for um, biodiversity beyond national jurisdiction uh, and maintaining uh, biodiversity in the oceans. The question is, with that agreement, how is it going to be enforced? How is it going to be managed? Uh, so these are all the challenges we face. You, you know, you can have substantive law. Then the question is the process by which it is implemented. As, and as, so these big areas are right. are going to be. Sorry, Jordan, but I just want to finish. Sure, uh, please. Big areas on these 
major issues facing humanity are are acute and they are important and the question is how do we in this world where we have war where we have uh, anti-democratic tendencies how do we ensure that we human beings on an international scale can manage these crises two two points i'd like to have you both uh, respond to and i'll just raise them one is the subject of natural law or scientific law that even in our current age has been challenged based upon something like the COVID experience in this country. I mean, we're finding out now that all that we were told about uh, natural immunity uh, was not exactly the, the case. And I'm not suggesting it was uh, intentional, but there are things that happen in science that are pretty basic that are being challenged. And uh, the other point I wanted to raise was, isn't it important for anyone, whether they be in Congress in the minority or in the majority or in parliament or in the neighborhood or in homes, isn't it important for somebody to question the law, the law that might be in place, not the moral law that we talked about earlier, but just to be that person who says, "Um, wait a minute, let me ask you to further elucidate before we pass this wide ranging law. Uh, Let's start with Jay and then Julian jump in. Well, let me start with your last point. You know, Thurgood Marshall question, Plessy versus Ferguson, um, the idea of separate but equal being uh, uh, being the answer to the 14th Amendment that all people should be treated equally, right? Um, and as a result of questioning the law, which was the law of the land as determined by the Supreme Court, we had a change in the law. Um, and that's, but law is, again, it's a matter of agreement. And, um, and if we agree that, the law that is currently the law of the land is not just by whatever standard, be it natural law standards, scientific standards or other, is it, is, you know, we have to agree to change that law. And there's got to be a way to amend, to change, to always further improve what we understand to be the law. Um, the law is not, you know, it's not static. Uh, there are those who would like it to be, but it can't be. Humans evolve. Uh, the 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 way we interact with each other evolves. Language evolves. Therefore, law must evolve. Um, uh, so there has to be a process for that. Um, and that's that's um, you know the question of respecting standards or whatever is behind it. I think goes to the question of of flouting law for the sake of power. You know, um, uh, I think the. Uh, well, I mean, there's a lot that can be said about that, but you know, um, rule of law means the rule of law, and not the rule of force. And and denying law is a way of imposing your own force, your own view, your own concerns, your own. This is the way it should be because I say so. It's the law of ipsa dixit, right? It is because I say so. That's not law. That's something else. And uh, di- dictatorial nature is is not law. It's it's rule, but it's not law. And so I think that, uh, you know, uh, law is an agreement and, and agreements change, understandings change, and it has to be flexible. I like what you bring up, uh, Jordan, and your response as well, Jay, regarding the word law. It sounds as if when we've used the word law, it's somebody else's responsibility not our own. So we kind of push laws away, whether it's speeding traffic or whether it's 
taking misuse of medications or making the wrong medications how far and wide can someone who's not in government deeply protect themselves without waiting until government's going to do it to me well government does, government shouldn't be doing anything to you you know the idea is agreement you agree yes. to follow the law. You talked about the fact that you agreed to follow the speed limit because, yes. first of all, it's in your own personal interest, exactly. but it's also in the interests of all the other drivers on the road. Those who are going 100 are outliers, right? Those those who are speeding down the road are not uh, are, are not abiding by the agreement that we have. Now, look, everybody goes a little above the speed limit, but then we're all in agreement then, right? Yes. You're, if everybody's going 70, that's the current speed limit, Right. And then when the cop is in the median and everybody slows down, you know, it's because we agree that there's a way of enforcing that law and we're, we're going to, we're all going to slow down together. Um, so, 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 you know, it's about agreement. You have to agree to abide by the law. Yeah. And it, it's looking at what's behind laws and what's behind agreements, right, right. which is, am I choosing and accepting Right. To not drive at 100 miles an hour. Am I choosing and accepting to actually wear a mask? Am I choosing accepting to get vaccinated? Am I choosing accepting to go on a type of diet? Because now there are laws in all conditions all over the world. Is, is my doctor correct in telling me to stop smoking? Is it correct? As to administer my bodily condition because I now trust my doctor. Well, it goes back to what I was saying before. If you if you have concerns that the law doesn't apply to everyone equally, why would I want to follow it? If somebody is above the law, then why do I have to follow that damn law? Right? Exactly. If so and so can get away with it, why do I have to follow it? And then, you know, it goes back to what we were saying, is so-and-so really above the law? Does that person going 100 miles an hour have a have a free pass from the Georgia state troopers? Probably not, right? And so you know, and, and you, you snicker to yourself when you come upon them pulled over on the side of the road with the state trooper behind them as you speedily go by. Um, and I think that's what keeps us going. But if, if we lose faith that we're not all subject to the same rules, then it all falls apart. Right, exactly. We should, at this point, we're coming up to almost an yeah. hour, so it would, I think we should wrap it uh, for Let's Jay's purposes. Uh, and Jay, not you don't have to do it on the mic, but could you email me a short bio paragraph that you'd like me to include in terms of the intro? I can do that, sure. That would yeah. be helpful. So Julian, do you want to do a final uh, wrap as we usually do? Well, I think it's exciting uh, to have these kind of open-ended discussions that allow the listeners to say, can I respond based upon what I've been actually listening to? And have I got the right to respond? Because people are questioning their rights. So I think it's a very, very exciting and an endless topic for whether it's ourselves having this conversation and the audience listening as a way of understanding how they can actually respond 
rather than be the effect of circumstances. So I, I really felt today's uh, conversation was was very, very valuable. So thank you, Jay. Thank you. It's been, uh, been interesting and fun to have this discussion. The conversation continues on the Language for Leading podcast with Julian Sturt, available on all podcast platforms. Remember to subscribe, download, rate, and review the show, and tell your friends and colleagues about it. The Language for Leading podcast, impactful conversation about fundamental principles that will grow your business and change your life for the better.